0: Everyone, join me in welcoming um, a beloved figure in Sherwood Oaks history, Tom Ellsworth. <laughs> too kind. In the uh, how many years? Forty, 40 years. Four oh. In the forty years of Tom's ministry here at Sherwood Oaks, I know if you are like me, we know more about Winston Churchill. <laughs> then his own mother knew about him. <laughs> um, we've, we've watched you restore some cars. We've, we've shared those joys and sorrows. Mm-hmm. Part of the story of Sherwood Oaks is selling your car to help fund our debt payoff, which was incredible, an incredible moment of leadership, but also just an incredible moment in the life of the church so okay. uh, that's, that is fantastic. Um, just it's sort of a point of trivia, one of Tom's first jobs was working in a little store, and one of the skills he learned there that I always <laughs> found fascinating was, anyone have any ideas? Sweeping, well, I mean, <laughs> that is a useful skill. Very useful skill. I didn't know how to do that before I worked. He in learned. Story. Yes, his mother. His mother taught him sweeping early on. I'm, I'm yep, assuming. Yep. No, one of the skills that you have is the ability to spot a counterfeit. Yeah. So, give me just a snippet of how you learned. You learned that. that we skill. took a
1: counterfeit twenty-dollar bill that day, <laughs> and, you know, and it looked really counterfeit. It, it didn't look at all like. <laughs> it a did not look a thing alike, but uh, yeah. the the other person at the cash drawer. Uh, took it, not paying close attention. If I
0: pulled out a real dollar bill and a counterfeit dollar bill, you could tell the difference right now.
1: Uh, uh, yes, I think. Okay, I'm going to depend it. on <laughs> where you got the counterfeit and why.
0: Sweat um, is breaking yeah. out on Tom's forehead right now. He's really, really. You know, one of the other things that I um, I've enjoyed is your attempts at humor. <laughs> <laughs> You, you, Thank you. I mean, you put your heart into it. Right, you well, really, I try. You're so yes. sincere in your efforts. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I loved was an, an illustration you gave about, about birds. I've learned a lot about ornithology in this year. You love bird <laughs> illustrations. You love history illustrations. Oh. Um, but the bird lesson, <laughs> the difference between a crow and a raven, let's see if they know, yep. is a matter of... They did no, not listen to your
1: sermons. No, no. They, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the, the the crow has was it seventeen pinions or feathers, and the uh, raven has sixteen pinions or feathers. So the difference between a crow and a raven is a matter of a pinion. A pinion.
0: That's not the first time he's told that story. So you all really should have been paying attention to <laughs> the story. Probably should be the years. last time yeah. <laughs> I
1: tell it though. So.
0: Listen, I've told it seven times since you since you told it in the last term. <laughs> I love that one. The other thing that I remember, this is just recollection time, okay. is uh, back in the early aughts, we were doing, we did a Wednesday night service. Yeah. And it was in between, you know, you'd go to class. And then before that, you had like a, like a half hour we'd do some worship, and you'd do something that I always thought was fascinating. It was called like sermon in a sack, or
1: I don't know what you called it, something clever. It, it was just a kind of an object lesson. People would bring the objects, put them in a box. Yeah. Or a sack, you know, and then I would draw it out and do a, so has, like anyone a seen, has anyone seen? has anyone seen
0: that? Any, anyone? Yes? Yeah, you
1: can, <laughs> if you have, you can applaud.
0: <laughs> If you haven't, hold your applause, because it's gonna be good. So I've, I've brought some things. So okay. last, last time, I pulled out this referee whistle. Well, yeah. a whistle. You called it a referee whistle. And then you created this amazing little mini-message <laughs> about using this as an illustration. So um, this time, I'm gonna bring out... you have a camera right here, a camera shot? This is a little... Do, come in tight, come in tight, come in tight. You, you, you there, there you. Look re- at that. Can you see it? It says... Mind the Gap. Mind the Gap. This is a refrigerator magnet okay. that I got the last time I was in England because I make so much money here that I'm able to travel <laughs> the world. Um, <laughs> So uh, I'm going to, so this is, this is, and mind the gap is on all the signage. When you're getting off the, the tube or the subway yeah, okay. in, in London, there's always a little gap, a couple of inches wide, and this is a very polite uh, courtesy reminder to be mindful when you're stepping off of the train to not fall into the gap oh. between the platform and the train. Okay. So I'm going to, Have you have you got a little... Message with this right here. Can you can you think of something?
1: Well, there's two, or three things that come to mind. First of all, it's a magnet, right? It's a magnet. And yes. you stick that onto your refrigerator as a reminder. Yep. You know, you hope some things stick, and and uh, one of those things that you hope sticks are the important things of God's word. You want those to stick in your heart and in your mind. Um, I don't think there were magnets in Scripture. You know, uh, the psalmist said, "Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path." You know, we hope that the word is a magnet that sticks in our mind and our heart. Um, You know the gap as far as that's concerned uh, the bible warns against stepping into a lot of problem areas you know and obviously the gap between the train and the platform you know could get you into a lot of trouble so be careful with the spiritual gaps in your life don't step into something that's going to cause you to uh to fail the lord in the process
0: i feel like you need your own show (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty good that's pretty good you know what I'm going to leave that here. You can take, that's my parting gift to you. After 14 years of ministry with you, you can have that magnet. Wipe, Thanks, I'll Thanks, so magnanimous
1: down. one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've got, we've got more treats
1: in there at some okay, point time. Okay, all right, but, for next service. But we, okay. Next service, next right. service.
0: So uh, it's been 40 years. Uh-huh. It was January 1981 that you stepped into the pulpit mm-hmm. at Sherwood Oaks, right down the road.: mm-hmm. Well, yeah, right down yeah, the road here.: down the road
1: in the And it was building. a different
0: congregation then than it is now, of course. Yeah. Similarities, differences?
1: Well, uh, similarities uh, is that uh, there were awesome people at the beginning uh, who, even though the church had gone through a really tough time, there were 80 people that were here at sherwood oaks but they had a mindset of we are not going to allow the doors of this building to close we want to continue to be a light in this community and so that determination and that spirit of tenacity uh is is a foundation that i think has has really described this congregation through the years and i look at you all today and i think the same thing this is a determined group a a tenacious group and uh Uh, I believe that for however long the Lord tarries, that this place will be a beacon of light and hope uh, to this community for Jesus Christ. Uh. So, you know, there's a lot of similarity. Now, differences, (laughs) a lot of differences. 80 people as opposed to the the 3,000 plus that we have here uh, now. Uh, Very traditional uh, on that day. Uh, The first first service, I remember, and Elsie and I both went home. And, you know, good people doing good things, but it was just such a change... um, And I thought, oh, my, you know, what have I gotten myself into uh, from that standpoint? But from that day on, though, it it has been a really joyful experience.
0: What what were your goals when you stepped into the pulpit? When you took that job, what what were some of the the main goals that you had in mind? Yeah,
1: well, I I didn't come with great visions. As a matter of fact, what we have here today was not even on my radar. And had it been on my radar, if I'd have thought that uh, the church would have become what it is today, I probably wouldn't have come uh, because I'd have been too afraid. Yeah. you know, I was 25 years old, I, thought, if, if I had thought about leading a church of this size, I thought, I can't, you know, there's no way I can do that. So I'm really glad that God doesn't let us know the future yeah. because I would have missed a, an incredible blessing in my life. But my goals were pretty simple. I came here, uh, and I had seen and experienced in my own life and ministry before coming here that... Um, Sometimes there was an adversarial relationship between elders and deacons and the preacher, and it seemed like instead of being a team, they were on opposite sides, you know, fighting for something. And I didn't want that. Uh, I'd seen how that was destructive. And so what I wanted to do was to come, and if I didn't do anything else, I wanted to create a a relationship, a teamwork spirit between the church leaders and between uh, myself. Uh, Second of all, um, the church was not meeting its budget at the time. Uh, The church did not tell me that before I'd signed on the dotted line. (coughs) So uh, when I found that out, I thought, okay. So one of the other goals was to get this congregation on financial footing. And then my goal was with the 80 people that were here, I thought, you know, if in the next couple of years we can get up to 125 and kind of get stable, maybe 150, uh, you know, that'll that'll be good. Never was on my radar that we would be here 40 years either. I mean, that that just was not, I mean, just not even close. And so um, by that, when we came, you know, we got started. And by that first Easter, so from January to April, whatever that date was, uh, on that Easter, we broke an attendance record. And it it wasn't long until we were way past that 125 and 150 on a regular basis. uh, Financially, we were doing well. And then then the goals began to shift. Okay, how are we going to handle the growth and and the stuff that, that was coming in? So in the course of the last 40 years,
0: a lot of wonderful people have Absolutely. made Sherwood Oaks their home. Yep. You've got to officiate at lots of weddings and funerals. Mm-hmm. I asked you at 8 o'clock whose funeral you were happiest to preach. I'm not going to make that mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> but you had some great stories about things that you've witnessed in weddings and funerals, weddings in particular. Share some of your
1: funny funny wedding moments. Oh, okay. Um, one, one of those moments in a wedding, well, we, we had a, a, a couple that uh, launched in a hot air balloon uh, right after the service from the front yard of the church, building. that was down the, when we were at the other yeah. street. That was kind of fun. Uh, probably the, the finest, best man I've ever worked with was a black lab uh, that, <laughs> that belonged to the groom, and he solid black, and he had on a white bow tie that day, nice, nice. and um, never moved never moved he stood sat there on the platform right next to the groom the whole time uh and then walked out with the bride and groom when they walked out just uh, most most best men are not that yeah, good yeah, uh you know at, yeah. at weddings i had he, he uh, was, had a group of a groomsmen that started the ring all the way down at the end and passed up one by one by one by one and i didn't know that was that was coming you know so
0: funny story had a had
1: a, a ring bearer pass out and took out the flowers uh, as he as he fell over too. So,
0: <laughs> you from your position and vantage point, uh, you know we we look at you all the time. We think you're great. Um, we find your stories fascinating. Your jokes are hilarious. Uh, your sermons are always inspiring. Um, so we feel like we've got a pretty good grip on you. But but you see us, and you have made some. You've you've observed some things. Uh, just oh. from the congregation out here that, that we may not be aware that we're presenting ourselves the way we're presenting.
1: Oh, boy. Well, yeah, you know, I, I do see things. You know, you all are watching me. I'm watching you. And um, there, are, there are hilarious things that happen. You know, everybody always jokes about sleeping in church, and, and I have my regular sleepers who, if they stayed awake, I'd wonder, what did I say that offended them so much? Um, <laughs> But, but when we were down at the other building, uh, there was a, a youngish couple. They were late 20s, early 30s probably. They weren't married, but they were, they were dating. They always sat on the front row, right in this section over here at the other building. And uh, inevitably, one of them would go to sleep on a Sunday morning, and the other one would, you know, poke them and wake them up. And, and until the Sunday that both of them fell asleep at the same time. Now, that's not so bad. But their heads went back. Mouths went open. And I've heard freight trains that were quieter coming through town (laughs) than they were. They peeled the wallpaper off the nursery down the hallway. It was awful. I mean, and for the next three pews behind them the pews were shaking because the people were laughing so hard at this couple. And I was—I t- had to keep preaching through so all of that. But th- I had a hymnal, I'd have thrown it Well,
0: the, the question is, you know, I get distracted by such <laughs> little things. And my brain just goes off, and who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. I can't imagine trying to preach when that's going on on the front row. How do you how do you keep your cool? How do you keep your calm? I, I don't do you know. I mean,
1: you know, I, only by the grace of God. You know, I just didn't watch. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I couldn't turn out the e- But everyone the else ear, but... is hearing them. I mean, everyone yeah, I, else I, everybody is yeah I mean, you know you could see it all over the congregation. then one time we in the fellowship hall, we had a service uh, that was just kind of a fiasco in a lot of different ways. We had a lady come in who had had some illness and some difficulties, and one of our good deacons was at the door, and she told him about this, and he said, Well, you sit on the end of the row here and he said, "If you have trouble I'll, I'll come help you out of the worship service <laughs> well she she was a lady that that really enjoyed attention uh, from other people and said so instead of sitting on the end of the row she moved all the way down to the very center of the row and in the fellowship hall those were really long rows without interruption so I'm about five minutes into my sermon and I start hearing this uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking, what is that sound and I see this good deacon start making his way over to that well but this time the the, the lady had just kind of uh Well, she just froze in that seated position. He tried to help her out. She wasn't moving. And so here I see him come in the aisle in front of all these people and then lock himself around her like this, pick her up, and then start walking her out (laughs) the aisle. And people, you know, people everywhere were just all over uh, finally got her out. But I'm telling you, that was hard to watch while that was going on. Well, about the same time that happened, a bee got loose in the worship center down there. And one of the guys in our congregation was deathly afraid of the bee. Took one of the, We used to have the pew pads that we would pass down the aisle. And he stands up in the back and starts swatting at the, at the bee like this. Well, you know, that started distracting to the people that were sitting around. Finally, the bee landed on one of the pews and he went... Like that, and everybody jumped all over the the auditorium. All this time, I'm preaching and yeah. trying to yeah yeah didn't miss a beat huh didn't miss a beat oh I I'm, I'm not sure what I preached <laughs> I have no idea what was coming out of my mouth because all that was going on at the same time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, in addition to funny things, you've had some really cool opportunities. We didn't get a chance to talk about this at the eight o'clock yeah. interview, but you know I I think about you the story you tell about coming home that day from. A really rough overseas trip and your encounter with
1: the you know the the airport there in chicago i think but you've got to do some really cool stuff i have had so many wonderful blessings that god has opened up doors for me that again i never dreamed of um i I think of all the opportunities i've had to teach uh for tcm uh, taking christ to the Mm -hmm. millions over in former soviet bloc nations and around the world and those were just awesome trips uh uh, the, the trip to India, the one that you're referring to, uh, left an indelible impact upon my mind. And I'd got, I got sick uh, coming home from India, had um, uh, a, a strep throat, uh, sinus infection kind of thing that the antibiotic I took with me wasn't touching. And uh, so I was feeling pretty uh, pretty pitiful yeah. physically when I got off. And then I was feeling sorry for myself too yeah. because I was lonely and I was homesick. And I got off the plane and I was just dragging my luggage you know, kind of through the airport in that um, moody kind of a way. And I got up to the counter and um, handed my passport to the agent there and he took a look at it, took a look at me and looked back at the passport and stamped it. And then he said, welcome home, Mr. Ellsworth. Welcome home. I'll never forget those words. And it was sort of like, I am home. And, and I straightened my shoulders. I picked up my suitcase. I walked through that. I thought in, in just a short time, I'm going to see my family and I'll be back in my own bed. I'll get well again. And it reminded me that this world is such, uh, at times, a, a, a dismal place. It can be a frustrating place. It can be a, a place that makes us feel, uh, well, lonely and heartsick. But one of these days, we'll step through other gates and we'll hear the Lord say, Welcome home, Christian. Welcome home and that's what keeps us going. Uh, I, I had the privilege of being the uh, president of the North American Christian Convention in 2001. Uh, it's something I never dreamed possible. Um, I, one of those other really awesome experiences was the, uh, was the day I got to open the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. with the prayer. I was the guest chaplain that day, and you know that's a moment uh, that I'll never forget. Uh, being able to lead a Bible study, With Coach Mm Crean on campus for the uh, coaching staff for uh, all the years he was here, that was another great moment. So, yeah, Lord has provided some really awesome opportunities for me.
0: Anything on your bucket list that you've not
1: checked off yet? You know, really, I can't think of anything on my bucket list uh, that that you know uh, seems really imminent that I need to do. Yeah.
0: In addition to I'm content with that. Well, that's good. Contentment with. With godliness is great gain, I think the <laughs> scriptures say. Uh, you've you've had some amazing opportunities, um, but there's been some been some stuff that's been very difficult. And you mentioned you know earlier that you had some you know just some regrets or maybe some do overs or things yeah. you'd do differently and. What you've learned, if you knew now, if you know
1: knew then what you know now, what yeah, would you do? Yeah. It, it would. Have, uh, there would have been a couple of hires, staff hires that we've had here that, that wouldn't have happened if I had. If I knew then how, what I know now. Um, a- am I am
0: I one of them? No, you're not one of them.
1: <laughs> no. Um, <clears throat> uh not not by a long shot and and this is no reflection on on the on the people but this is what i learned that that when somebody has great talent and it looks good on paper but the chemistry isn't right and the compatibility isn't right it isn't going to work chemistry and compatibility with a congregation are incredibly important and uh, it, it, there needs to be that fit before it will work yeah. and so I, I learned that. I learned early on too that I spent way too much time uh, in the early days of the church I, I was the only staff member didn't even have a church secretary so uh, you know I ran off the bulletin I ran off the, the newsletter and I was out almost every night of the week uh, in somebody's home trying to talk to them about the relationship. I spent too much time uh, Elsie was patient when the girls came along it really became hard. I didn't immediately make an adjustment And I look back and I think I I should have done better with that. Um. They still talk to you, though. Oh, yeah, they, they still, they, they <laughs> <laughs> gratefully, they, they still love me. <laughs> and then there was the Sunday I tried to preach without notes. I'd seen it done at conventions. I thought, I can do this. I, I picked a sermon that I thought was, uh, you know, one that I knew sort of well. I'd preached it at a couple of revival meetings and that type of thing. And I, this was like in my first year of ministry here, and I got up and I started into this sermon. I got to the high point, to the point that you really want to make. I was telling a story about Queen Victoria. I have no idea what the story was. And I got to the end, and I couldn't remember the punchline. The whole sermon had built to that moment, and I I just went total blank. And it was it was a disaster. And I have never preached without Without notes again. All right. (laughs)
0: Listen,
1: you hold that. I've seen you at the gas station with that right there. You really don't like to.
0: You don't like to go anywhere without that. I've looked everywhere for a little uh, a little binder like that.
1: This was my dad's, and I don't have any idea where my dad got it. Uh, he gave it to me years ago, but even before I started preaching. Yeah. But it, it is the ni- it's got a hinge in the leather there, and it lays open so easily and so yeah. so nicely for notes. It looks
0: so. it looks sharp. The first sermon you preached here, uh, first sermon I was here when you were preaching. I thought, oh man, he's the coolest
1: preacher. Right now.
0: <laughs> my opinion has not changed.
1: Oh, you're 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 well, too wait, nice, Tim. Well, wait, is Sean listening? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah well you can you can tell him that in two yeah, weeks yeah. all right yeah, so. <laughs> you are the coolest preacher I know <laughs> I've had several people in the congregation say they watch because they're convinced this is going to fly out of my hand yeah one of these days. yeah you do sort of fling it around like one of those pizza guys
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey uh you've got a chance to work with a lot of elders this is your chance to tell them exactly what you think of them Go for
1: it. Go for it. The, the stage is yours. Just, just, unleash, just unleash on them. Uh, you know, I think elders are key to the life of any congregation. And one of the things that I really love about this congregation is our eldership. These are They're, they're really good men, uh, not just in their character and in their actions, but in their spiritual concern. Uh, the thing I love about our elders, and I would trust them with my life, I would trust them with my family's life, is that they really – they they sleep eat and breathe this congregation and I know that the care of this congregation is continually uh, on their minds so great leadership in this congregation that's that's you know that's one of the things I will miss yeah okay in, in this I mean there's there's a lot of emotions that are going on in my life right now as I shift into a different facet of life uh, but being with with those godly men will be one of the things that I miss. Being here on a Sunday morning in this capacity as a preacher is something I'll, I'll miss. Um, you know, you, it, it's, I think it's the right time. I haven't changed my mind about any of that. But there's just aspects yeah. of the life of the church that uh, that I'll miss.
0: So will, will we see you, or are you going to move to Saskatchewan? I've heard rumors of that. There's No,
1: no, I'm, we're, we're going to stay in the area. You know, yeah. Our kids and grandkids are here, and uh, this has been our home for the last... Forty years, and so we're planning on staying around. You know, yeah. I'll be absent for for several months uh, just to get give time for everybody to kind of settle in. But um, uh, you know, yeah, you know, you'll see us. What What is your? Are you going to write a book? Are you going to make a movie? What are you going to do? Are you going to
0: start <laughs> what, a what TV I, show? You make a movie? Yeah.
1: <laughs> what am, What am I going to do in the next phase? Well, this is this is one of the things that uh, I, I'm hoping to do, and that is to to develop a ministry of encouragement to. Um, to smaller congregations and to disheartened uh, preachers. One of the things I've, I've learned over the years, you, you, I, I don't know if you realize this or not, but what, what we have here is, is pretty rare. Um, in, in the first place, churches that run over 2,000 uh, are one, less than one-half of 1% of all the churches in America. So, you know, we as a congregation are in, in rare territory. There's something else about this congregation that I, that I think is rare, and that is the harmony that I've witnessed over the last 40 years. Uh, we've not had church fights. We've not had church arguments and that type of thing, and I am grateful beyond words uh, for the harmony that's been here. And so pretty, pretty rare what happens in this congregation. 58% of all of America's churches are under, or 100 are under, of all America's churches are 80 or less. Uh, Only 11% of America's churches are 250 or more. So the the small church uh, has a has a deep uh, place in my heart. Uh, I grew up in a small church. It was less than a hundred at the time I was going there. This congregation was less than a hundred. It was eighty people when I came. Uh, I, most of America is is worshiping the Lord together in smaller congregations and and sometimes ministry in a small congregation is hard because you don't have anybody uh, sometimes to talk to. Ministry can be really lonely that's one of the biggest problems ministers have is loneliness. I don't have anybody that can they can talk to about things that are going on because you can't talk to people in the congregation about things that uh, are, are really hurting. Uh, and, and a lot of smaller congregations are struggling through this time of the COVID virus. Um, many of them have gone back and, and people are attending, but pretty tough times. So I don't know how, I, how that is going to all flesh out, Tim, but I really do want to spend my time in, in a sense of trying to encourage. There were preachers that really encouraged me. Ben Merrill, I asked him before I came here, I said, Ben, what's the What's the best advice you can give to a new preacher or preacher going into a new situation? And uh, he said, uh, Don't browbeat your people from the pulpit. And he said, Make sure they know you love them. And I've tried to follow that advice through these 40 years that I've been here. But before coming here, I, Elsie and I were in a revival with Ben Merrill, he was the preacher, and uh, the good twins uh, led the music. And uh, they, they, Ben bought me a suit. And the good twins bought, bought me a shirt and tie. They took me on a. I think it was Thursday, the week of the revival, and they said, "Come on, we're, we're going to go." We went out of town, and and uh, Ben had a good friend uh, from Sullivan, Indiana, as a matter of fact, uh, that had a suit store. And they, I, I, I to this day, I'm still overwhelmed by that act of generosity. Um, but it, it went so long. It went so far in encouraging me as I was getting started in ministry. Uh, and then I had other mentors that that. Poured into my life, I would I'd take him to lunch and said, "Give me an hour of your time. Mm -hmm. I'll buy your lunch. Help me, you know, become who I need to be." And uh, and I I just want to be that to others. I want you know kind of pay it forward type thing. Well, you you bought my lunch a couple of times, but you never bought me any clothes. So, uh, (laughs) well, sorry about that. And I'm not sure buying a suit for somebody today in ministry is going to go a long way, anyway. But uh, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I don't know who wears a suit these days. Um, uh, you and I, I think, are the yeah. last are the last of the yeah. breed. Yeah. Um, well, that's exciting. We'll we'll look forward to see Thanks. what the next year looks for you, and we'll see you around and about. Yep. And uh, yeah, if you're not here present in person, we know you're here. Yeah. In spirit.
1: That's absolutely
0: right.